Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. So I'm just going over all the evox that I did on this money topic and it's hitting me that I did a full eight weeks of evox sessions on money and subconscious beliefs around money. And I just have to say, it actually fills me with so much pride and gratitude and excitement to really be able to look back and go, I spent two months working through this thing that has been a burden, a fear for years and years and years. I think what feels so good about that is not just the changes that have come, which I'll be sharing in a second, but just the fact that it's like, here was this topic that has been scary for me, shameful for me, and I didn't just like dip my toe in the water for a minute and say, okay, okay, I did the work, I I addressed it, and now I'm moving on which sometimes happens and there's no shame there, right? Sometimes our nervous systems, consciously or subconsciously, we're not really ready to dive into certain things. I do think so often when we are ready, the tools to help us work through something come to us. And so, but I will say that I have seen on occasion, sometimes we, with myself or with clients, get into a little bit of a like, we'll do one session on a topic and kind of go like, okay, I did the work. I did the work. Um, I've done enough on that. (laughs) Rather than being really, really honest with ourselves of, I think I need to come back to this again and again. And for me, in this case, with this topic of money, it was, I need to come back to this for two months. I really really needed to spend a significant period of time working through the layers of this topic. And I'm just so proud of myself for doing that because when I say that this is a topic that had so much shame and fear around it, it's like I didn't even want to think about money in my own head. And don't even get me started on talking about money with someone else or with Omid, my partner, So the fact that for eight weeks straight, I sat down with myself for, you know, roughly an hour each session to really process this is like, wow, that, that in and of itself is a testament to how much the Evox has helped me because I never could have done that before. And so this episode is really just to summarize the eight weeks of information. There's eight episodes on all the different money aspects. And I really do think they're each worth a listen because they go so deep into certain aspects. This episode is really just to summarize, okay, what were some of the key subconscious beliefs that I identified around money over the last eight weeks? How were those beliefs manifesting as patterns in my life 
And what are the new patterns that have already started to appear or shift? How have my beha- how has my behavior already started to shift in the last two months? So one of the first topics to come up in the Evox around money were subconscious beliefs around it's selfish to have too much money, beliefs around I need to, basically if I have excess money, it's selfish and I need to be giving that away. And also these beliefs that kind of almost as if if you're happy and healthy, then you're not giving enough. Really, there was this deep, deep subconscious idea that in order to be giving enough, in order to be a good person, you actually need to be giving so much that your own health and your own life is kind of in shambles. And I talk about in the first episode that this was something I really observed from a lot of people in the church that we were in is really this incredibly self-sacrificial, martyr-like mentality. And I think really one of the ways that this primarily manifested was I honestly, through most of my youth and through college, I felt so much guilt and shame around the fact that maybe I wasn't tithing the percent that I was supposed to be according to certain rules Um And that honestly, I was happy and healthy and feeling shame around that. Like, well, I guess if I'm happy and healthy, that means I'm not giving enough. And so there was this sort of perpetual feeling of I'm going to be found out. If people know I didn't tithe the 10%, which would have been like $20 for me back then, um, I'm going to be kicked out of this community. I'm going to lose my friends, etc. And so that really manifested as this heaviness, this shame, this fear that was just hanging over me perpetually. A lot of limiting beliefs around debt also were coming up that debt is shameful. Um, and also that debt is permanent. That if you are honestly like stupid enough or careless enough to accumulate debt, then you're going to have that debt the rest of your life. And so it was a really, really big thing for me to break that belief because I think that deep belief of I will never be able to get out of debt kept me in these perpetual cycles of debt. But also a really big way that this manifested, this shame in particular, was in silence, not wanting to talk about money with anyone, particularly my partner, not wanting to even look at my finances, just a complete dissociation from money. Like my, (laughs) the topic of money comes up, my head is going straight in the sand. I don't want to hear it, see it, talk about it at all. And I think I've mentioned this before in another podcast, but this is a recurring theme I'm seeing with shame with myself and with clients is that shame, when there's shame involved, it is like the ultimate silencer. And so often shame manifests as like a fear to speak out or that dissociation. And that can be so paralyzing because when we're silenced from that shame, when we're so afraid to acknowledge this or talk about it, It keeps us stuck because we can't go out and get the tools we need. Likewise, when we're just so 
disassociated from whatever the situation is, there's no acknowledgement happening. And in order to work on an issue or a wound, we have to first be able to go, hey, there's an issue or a wound here. Now that I see that and recognize that, let me go find some tools to help me through this. And so shame is just such a pervasive, paralyzing emotion when when it goes unprocessed. I think this is really important too because emotions aren't inherently good or bad. They're all information for us. Every emotion is our body, our subconscious trying to give us a piece of information. When they become problematic is when they're repressed for years and years and years and go unacknowledged that they then often manifest as really extreme things. A really, really big epiphany I had, although there were so many throughout this series, was recognizing that buying things, particularly food, (laughs) buying food is a soothing technique for me. It was a technique that I had been using when I'm, and the really big connection here was when I'm feeling unseen or unheard or invisible, buying myself a really nice meal or a really nice snack makes me feel so seen and soothed and happy and taken care of. And this was really huge for me because in this episode, I talk about how, first of all, I'm just spending so much money on food really needlessly. Like it's excessive. I don't need to spend that much money on food. And It was controlling my life in a way where when I would get the urge for a certain meal, it's like, I have to have it. And if I don't get it, I'm so sad and upset and forlorn, really. And so being able to put the pieces of that puzzle together and see, first of all, there's such a deep, there's such an emotional charge to getting this because my subconscious is going, oh my gosh, I feel invisible, I feel invisible, I need you to see me and hear me and by getting me this thing, by getting me this thing I'm craving, it's you, Leanne, showing me the subconscious that you see me and you hear me. And then on the flip side of that, when I don't respond to those urges, it's like me telling the subconscious like, no, you are invisible. You're not going to be seen. You're not heard. And so being able to make that connection has profoundly changed the way I respond when those urges come up. And what I'll also say here is those urges don't even come up anymore, which is amazing because I think I mentioned this before. These were daily, literally daily, sometimes multiple times a day occurrences of, oh, I want this food. Oh, I want this drink. Oh, I want this snack. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to stop here on my way to work. I'm going to stop there on my way home from work. I'm going to, on my break, you know, in between clients, run it out and get this food. Like it was a very consuming thing. And so first of all, I'll say that has probably dropped from being a daily occurrence to being like, let's say maybe two or three days out of the week, two or three days out of seven, I'll have those urges come up. And Now, really understanding the deeper roots of it, I'm able to go, okay, I see, have that conversation with myself and really just say, I see that you, you're feeling a bit unseen, you're feeling a bit unheard. And 
I want to let you know that you are seen and you are heard. And I, I can soothe that wound sometimes just by having that conversation, soothe that subconscious fear of, wait a second, I'm feeling invisible again. And so often what I'm seeing is now just being able to have that conversation with myself, that crazy intense craving for whatever that thing was so often falls away where I'm able to, I don't feel like I'm denying myself. And that is what has been so neat about this is I've spent so much less money over the last two months, particularly not on food. And it hasn't felt like this, like, oh, I'm just denying myself again and again. And I feel so sad and I'm living in this, you know, bar of this discipline that I need to maintain. I've actually felt so seen and safe in acknowledging these deeper wounds while also being able to address, right? Because when I was spending all this money on this food, it was kind of like you'd get that momentary soothing from the spending of the money, but then you'd also get this whole new dose of anxiety because you're like, oh, I really shouldn't be spending this much money on these things. I still have debt, yada, yada, yada. And so it's been really profound because I've been able to, first of all, address the actual wounds. When I'm just buying food to soothe myself, that's not doing anything to actually address the deeper wound. And so now when that pattern comes up, I know what the deeper wound is and I can address it. And so in that sense, I think I've felt so much more seen and heard and soothed on a truly deeper, deeper level as I continue to work through those wounds and release those as well. But then also you know, being able to soothe that wound with conversation, with journaling, with other techniques versus just the food or the buying things alone. And being able to do that is giving me the true deep energetic healing I need while also making me feel so much safer in I'm not spending money needlessly. So that's an anxiety that I've helped clear as well. I also did an episode on generational trauma related to money and what was coming up from there were some limiting beliefs around, first of all, if I, if I don't understand money and how it works, I'll be trapped. But then also on the flip side of that, really feeling like money is scary and confusing and I'll never be able to understand it. And the way that this has shown up in my life is that i when i do when i do work up the courage to really sit down and look at finances it's like this tidal wave of overwhelm and fear and nervous system dysregulation and i really do feel like i don't i just don't get it i don't understand it i don't know where the money's going i don't know where the money's coming from just utter confusion and overwhelm And in tandem with that was another subconscious belief around not only can I not understand money, just like money is this concept I'll never be able to understand, I'll also, this belief of I'll never be able to manage money well. Even if I did understand it, I'll never be able to manage money well. And in this episode in particular, I'm not mentioning all of the events or experiences that contributed to these subconscious beliefs. If you want to get more of that, you'll definitely have to go back and listen to each of the specific episodes because that's where I go really deep into what was the limiting belief and where did it come from? And absolutely, 
the environment, the perceptions around money in childhood played such a pivotal role in this. And this, I really did have this subconscious feeling of like, money is almost like this evil entity that no one can control. It just sort of pops in sometimes. And if you're lucky, that's, that money entity will be really generous and kind with you. And if you're unlucky, um, you're not going to have any and you're going to be stuck in debt and you're going to be stuck in poverty. So really these feelings of like, I can't manage money because money is this entity that no one can control. And so with these beliefs in particular, the I can't understand money, money is scary, I can't manage money. Again, I think a big way this manifested was in the total dissociation. The, if I start to think about it or talk about it, my brain literally starts to shut down. I get filled with overwhelm and fear. That shame creeps back in. And so I just never wanted to look at it or think about it. And what that leads to is just a complete, like, I don't, you don't know where your finances are at. And then that too makes you feel on very shaky ground. And what's been really neat over the course of these two months is I've had feedback from listeners, from friends who were tuning into the show saying, I have never talked about money with a therapist. I don't talk about it with friends. This is a topic I've been so afraid and ashamed to dive into and really hearing from the audience that this is also, these are things that they also are dealing with, the shame, the fear, the not wanting to look at the finances. And so on the one hand, it's comforting to know, as with so many things, that you're not alone in this. Other people are experiencing this too. And it also feels so wonderful to hear that others are resonating with these messages and that it's inspiring them to go, you know what, I can start to work through this as well. So what are some of the biggest things that have shifted over the last two months? First and foremost, I'll start with the emotional landscape of this. And it's that just the heaviness of the perpetual fear and shame around money has been lifted. And this is tricky to describe because it's not so tangible in terms of a habit. But think about like this fear, this shame. It was like this dark cloud hanging over me every single day. Or like this heavy backpack that I've been carrying every single day. Just such a dark, heavy burden. And to have that lifted from me, I feel so much lighter so much more joyful and also so much more hopeful that yes, some of these patterns are still here, but they're getting so much better. And I do feel like, okay, I actually can start to master this. So just the way I feel emotionally on a daily basis has improved so much in terms of that heaviness, but then really the beliefs as well. You know, I can say now with complete confidence that I do believe and feel that I can understand money and that I will be able to manage my money well and I already am starting to manage my money better. Whereas before, if I had said that, I would have been like, I don't really believe it. I can say the words, those words can leave my mouth, but 
consciously, subconsciously, I don't believe them. Whereas now it's like wholehearted, every fiber in my being believes this. And when I believe it, that then gives me the motivation and the courage to start pursuing it and making it come to pass. As I said earlier, I probably would say that my spending in general has probably been reduced by at least a third, if not cut in half, and particularly the spending on money. The spending on money for sure has been reduced by at least 50%. And I think if we're looking at this in that more like numerical perspective, that is huge. In a month, in two months, to have seen such profound shifts in my behaviors is massive. To be spending 50% less money in excess is has so many profound implications. There's so many things I can do with that money that are truly productive and authentic. And again, what I want to hone in on here is it's not like the last two months have been this, you know, sad period of time where I'm just like, oh, I just can't spend money. It's so awful. I'm on a budget. I want all these things. It has actually been so joyful because again, the deeper wounds that were pushing me to spend that money are still being addressed and soothed in different ways. So there's not that wound. It's like I mentioned this in one of the previous episodes. If I had just like cut the money spending without being aware of the wound and addressing the wound, I probably would have then just shifted to some other source of soothing because that wound is still bleeding in a sense. And so I actually have felt so joyful and even freed in being able to soothe this wound with more empowering, productive, adaptive techniques while also spending less money. And then another really impactful shift is that just the fear around looking at my money is gone. And so I have been regularly checking in with my bank accounts, with my credit cards, with my student loans, etc. Whereas before it would be like, I might get myself to do it once a month begrudgingly with so much fear and shame. And now I'm doing it so much more regularly. But again, a key thing here is I'm doing it more regularly and that fear and shame is gone. So think about like how much energy it takes you and even sometimes how much time it takes you to build up the motivation to go do something you're dreading. Just the energy prep in and of itself can be so draining. And so to be able to literally just this Monday at the start of May, I was like, great, it's the start of May. I'm going to review all of April's finances. Took myself to a coffee shop, got myself a nice coffee, and then sat down for probably almost two hours going over the finances for April. And this, it wasn't a heavy, scary, dreadful thing. It was actually like a lighthearted, joyful thing. And there's such a difference there because I think many of us can dig down deep and find that like willpower to force ourselves to do something we're dreading or we hate. And I think there's also just a lot of verbiage out there in the self-help motivational world that's kind of this idea of you've just got to be disciplined and you've just got to 
get yourself to do it. And then there's this underlying assumption that if you can't muster up that energy and discipline, you're lazy or you're unmotivated. And I don't adhere to that belief at all. If there's something that you have so much dread around, that is such a key sign that there are some subconscious beliefs related to it that might need to be looked at deeper. And this is just such a big thing because again, many of us might be able to go, here's a thing I hate doing, but I need to do it regularly. And then every time you have to do it, it's such an energy vampire. It's so emotionally draining. It's so emotionally charged in a negative way. And yeah, it might be nice that you can pat yourself on the back at the end of it and be like, okay, I did that. But what if that thing that you hate doing could actually become something that you loved doing or or you were just able to do with so much more ease? I don't think that's a message that we're hearing very often or the message that maybe there's so much dread to it because there's some subconscious fears, there's some subconscious shame. And if we can clear that, that dread might be cleared as well. And then how much more energy is freed up to not only do that task, but do so many other things that you're wanting to. So yes, definitely that pattern of dissociation when it comes to money, the sticking the head in the ground, the plugging of the ears has been cleared to where now it's like, okay, I can sit down and think about this, look at this, organize this. I also was really proud of myself because I downloaded the Mint app by Intuit. And it's kind of just, it's like a budgeting financial app where you can just basically see like, how much have I spent this much this month? How much have I spent on food? In general, I can set budgets for food. And what I'll say about this is, it has been really empowering for me. I can see where for some people, it might be like just one more thing they've got to download and add to their list. So if it doesn't resonate with you, absolutely, this is not something you need to do. But for me at this point in my life, it was very, very empowering for me to download this tool that is going to help me check in with my finances on a daily basis. And I do think that I'll get to a point someday where I don't need to do that check in on a daily basis. But where I'm at right now, it actually feels very, very empowering. And it actually makes me feel very safe within myself that I'm doing that. And I just have to say the app is so easy and clear um, to use. So definitely something that if you're like, I I do kind of want to get a handle on my finances a little bit more and be able to know where the money's going, how much I've spent this much already on groceries, on entertainment, on shopping. Definitely a really great tool that I found super helpful. And then there's one more thing that I noticed shifted over these last two months that is not even something that was on my radar at all. And it was the habit of biting my nails. And you might be like, what the heck? That is so random. Let me tell you, I have struggled with biting my nails. Like, honestly, probably even before I was six years old. Literally, I want to say I started biting my nails as young as like four years old. This has been a struggle for my entire life. And I have tried everything When I was a kid, my mom would put the nasty tasting nail polish on the hands. I'd try getting the manicures that to like, oh, my nails are so nice. Hopefully that'll help me not want to bite them. 
nothing has worked. And of course, coming into my adult life, I've realized that this is a like soothing technique or a technique that comes up when I'm particularly stressed. I'll bite my nails. But I think what was so wild about this is this wasn't even a habit I was trying to break in this series. The nail biting wasn't even on my radar. And to see that a habit that you're not even working on can clear up is amazing. And the my theory behind this is that the anxiety, the daily anxiety and fear and shame around money was were emotions that needed to be processed and it was coming out physiologically through the nail biting. That constant anxiety, that constant undercurrent of all these emotions needed to come out somehow. And it seems like maybe that was coming out through this nail biting and in actually addressing those emotions and releasing them, looking at them, helping soothe them in other ways, that soothing technique or that manifestation of those emotions completely went away. That in and of itself feels like a freedom because absolutely it was something I was self-conscious about having just like gnarled nails that have been chewed down to a nub. Of course I didn't want that. Um, And sometimes it can feel so much like what is wrong with me? Why can't I master this? Why can't I break this habit? And this is something I'll come back to again and again. If you're feeling like no matter what I do, I can't break this habit, that is a clear sign that there's some subconscious stuff going on that needs to be addressed and released. It's so funny because literally my nails have never been long enough to where I needed to file them down. And I was just telling my mom over the last weekend like, Oh my gosh, mom, I'm so excited. I've filed my nails three times over the last like two months. And that sounds so silly, but like what for me, that was just like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe my nails have grown, have been growing so much and I haven't bitten them so long that I've needed to file them down three times now. It just, it sounds like such a silly thing, but I think anyone who maybe also has a similar pattern like that. Maybe it's like picking at the skin. Maybe it's like chewing your hair or whatever it is. To think of being free of that habit and what a good feeling that is. I think you'll really be able to resonate with the joy that I'm experiencing and just feeling free of this nail biting thing. So that is the money series summary. I hope like so many of the other individuals who reached out to me that this was something that was expansive for you. If there's questions coming up or even if you just want to reach out like like some people on Instagram and say, hey, this is how it helped me. This is what was resonating. I would love, love, love to hear it. And if you did find it expansive, I don't ask for this often, but it would mean so much if you could leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I know those are the two that most of the listeners tune in on. The reviews mean so much because first of all, I get to see that feedback, but it also helps boost the show so that others can find it more easily as well. So again, thank you so much for listening. If you do leave a review, thank you so much for that form of support and feedback. 